<laughs> Can you believe that? Wow. Yeah, that's, that's a good one to uh, clap for. I didn't know kids that little could laugh like that. They couldn't have been more than like, what, 8, 10, 12 months old? I mean, someone know that kind of thing better than I do uh, speak up right now. But, uh, man, that was funny. Can you imagine what that household's going to be like? As these kids grow up, if they keep that going, it's going to be the happiest place anybody could ever be. Um, Last night we had uh, the house group celebration and uh, my daughter-in-law, Jen Cochran, gave the message and she used that video to introduce her message and I think it had some relevance to her message. Has none whatsoever to my message today. (laughs) But uh, I just thought, what better way to start the new year together than to laugh a little and and just just engage with that. But uh, today what I want to do is talk to you about spiritual breakthrough and uh, that, that concept of breakthrough. Um, if, if you're not familiar with that word, it's a word that's used uh, frequently in, in Christian circles and books and things about areas of our lives that we want to see some growth in and that we, we just really haven't been seeing growth in. It might have to do with patience with our children. And, and, I, and I say, man, I need a breakthrough in that area, meaning I need to take a step ahead. I need to have like a, ever, any of you ever play Mother May I when you were kids? You know, totally arbitrary game that is uh, you know, totally controlled by the person that is the mother. But uh, once in a while uh, in playing Mother May I, may I have a giant step. And once in a while, the person that's in charge would say, yes, you may. And so you take a giant step ahead. That's like a breakthrough. It's like maybe in my finances, I'm struggling with my finances and in getting the bills all paid on time. It might just be I'm struggling in the organization of that. And, and I keep saying, oh my, that bill's due. And I might have the money to pay it, but I just, I just don't pay attention enough to keep, keep on top of that. Uh, it, it could be in uh, some other aspect of time use that uh, I, I need a breakthrough in my life or some other relational thing, maybe in fear and anxiety, maybe in, in health. You know, maybe I'm just struggling in my health and it seems like I'm always, something's always coming on me and I'm always, uh, you know, always having struggles and tired and lack energy and one sickness after another. And, I need, and, I, and I'm thinking, man, I need to break through into a greater level of health in that area. That's what I want to talk to you about today. What is that? How does it happen? And, um, and how can we cooperate with what God's doing in our lives really in this, this whole next year, in this whole area of breakthrough? Because is there anybody here that doesn't have some area of their life that that word would, sounds really good in, breakthrough? You know, I'd like breakthrough in this area. Um, we, we all have that. And so that's what we're going to talk about. And I think you're going to find that it, the answer to what is breakthrough, how does it happen, is not what we would expect. Because typically what we would expect is, well, I fought really hard. I, you know, I went to a number of conferences about this topic. I took good notes and then I fasted and I prayed for a month and I fought the devil and I finally defeated him. And then I finally got breakthrough. Anybody kind of like have that maybe as a concept that, uh, you know, I'm setting you up, but you can come on, be honest. 
I mean, until I mean, a, a year or two ago, I might have said that myself and just thought, well, that's what breakthrough is. You fight and you battle and you fast and you pray. And finally, you push the enemy out of the way and you break out into new territory because you have won a victory. What we're going to talk about today, I think, is going to show us that that's not the basis of breakthrough in our spiritual lives. But in our lives, when we need breakthrough, when we experience breakthrough, it is based not upon our effort, not upon a victory that you and I somehow win through our efforts, even through using what's traditionally been referred to as the means of grace, which is the word of God and prayer, fasting, and and other Christian disciplines. Breakthrough occurs when God opens my mind to see more clearly who he is and who I am. That's when breakthrough occurs. Breakthrough is based upon revelation from God. It's not based upon our effort. Now, it might take some effort to push some things out of the way that are interfering. It might take some decisions to turn away from some things that are interfering with my, my visual, my spiritual vision. But it's all about God releasing a greater degree of spiritual insight to us and us walking in that, believing it and walking in it. And so I wanted to take a moment and um, share with you a moment that was kind of like a breakthrough moment for me. Uh, and, and when we all have, have a lot of these, some of them are smaller, some of them are, are bigger. This, this was kind of a big breakthrough moment in my life. In um, 92, I think it was 1992, we were, I was pastoring a church in Michigan. We lived in Michigan. And um, uh, it, it was just a real difficult uh, place. And, um, or I was a real difficult pastor. Or we didn't fit, let's put it that way. It just was not the right fit. And really, there's a lot of, there is a lot of spiritual warfare involved in just about anything any of us do. And so I came to a point of real discouragement. I had uh, graduated from seminary in 79, been, in, been a pastor for 13, 14 years by this time. And um, was just really struggling with, is this how I want to spend my life? And even it came to the point that Lori and I went to a uh, career counselor and I went through a series of a battery of tests to try to decide what other career could I pursue, uh, you know, at this point in my life. What other things would I be good at and adept at? And, um, and, and a lot of that was just that the, the fit wasn't right in that setting. But at any rate, I was in the church one Friday and uh, just particularly discouraged that day. And walking around the building, it was a large church, a large building, and um, just roaming around and just thinking, you know, you know, what's next, God? What are we going to do? And, you know, I feel like I'm wasting my life doing this because I'm not being effective and everything that I think is the right thing to do, nobody else thinks is the right thing to do. And so there's just always this, this tension and conflict. And I ended up uh, standing at the front doors of the church. It was just all, you know, you can picture all glass doors. And I'm just standing there, and it was raining outside. And it was like a torrential downpour. I mean, it was one of those deals where rain is sweeping across the parking lot in sheets of rain. And um, I stood there, and, and I'm just contemplating what's next in our lives. 
Now, what happened next, I want to back up and give you a little bit of background story, too. Um, I grew up in uh, East Brady, Pennsylvania, a small town north of Pittsburgh. Grew up in a home and a family that did not attend church on a regular basis, but we did have a Christian background. My grandparents were believers, uh, and... Um, and so I, you know, I had some concept of who Jesus was and uh, growing up, but at, at a very early age, I had uh, decided I was going to be a pastor when I grew up. And uh, I remember sitting in church, probably six years old, maybe five, and listening to this pastor preach. And this was uh, like my family would go to church maybe once a year. Uh, pro- probably in all my growing up years, we went to church together half a dozen times, okay? So this was one of those times very early on. And I remember sitting there beside my dad, listening to this, the preacher preach, and thinking to myself, that's what I'm going to do when I grow up. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going I'm to do what this guy's doing. And from that point on, if anyone asked me what I wanted to do, uh, I, I'd say I was going to be a pastor, and so all my aunts and uncles, when they came around, they would, they would say, well, ask man what he's going to be when he grows up. Oh, he's going to be a preacher. Isn't that great? And so, so from early on, that, that was what my desire was. I, and I believe it was the desire God put in my heart. But um, um, I really wanted to tell you a little bit more about my dad right now because my dad uh, grew up in a Christian home. And uh, his mother had wanted him to be a pastor. And so when he was a real little boy, when people would come over to the house, he said she, he remembers her patting him on the head saying, this is going to be our preacher boy. And so he was designated as the family preacher boy from, uh, from my, my uh, grandparents' home. Now, my dad rebelled against that. And he, um, uh, he, he lived kind of the opposite life of that. Drinking, uh, fighting, and um, and uh, just running that that type of gamut in his life. He he got saved in his fifties when he was probably in his early fifties. He genuinely came to know the Lord, but shortly after uh, he came to know the Lord, he uh, came down with rheumatoid arthritis. And um, he had at least two heart attacks. The kind of guy he was, he had a heart attack. He sat down for a half hour, then struggled home and went to bed for a day. Never called the doctor. And they discovered later when he did go to the doctor that he had had at least two major heart attacks. So from his mid-50s until his early 60s, he was very ill with rheumatoid arthritis and suffering the effects of these heart attacks, the after effects. And he passed away at the age, just one month short of 62. And boy, we we know that's way too young. But he had genuinely come to know the Lord. And, um, And yet, I wasn't sure if he knew the Lord or not. I knew that that something had happened. And so in his last year, I wrote him a letter and he wrote back and uh, he had a hard time communicating face to face. It was, um, uh, you know, just, I think a generational thing as much as anything. 
But uh, in his letter that he wrote back to me, um, he, you know, he said, yeah, I, I know for certain. I know Jesus. I know, you know, when I die, where I'm going and, and et cetera. And um, just a wonderful letter. And he told me uh, in the letter about his mother designating him as the preacher when he was a little boy. And he knew that's what God had called him to. But he had turned away from it and, and rejected it. But um, now that now that he was at the age he was at, he said he would lie in bed on bad days he couldn't get out of bed, and he would think through sermons that he would want to preach, and um, and just contemplate how would I handle that passage of scripture? What would I do? And he told me that even one of the pastors at the church that I had grown up in had at one point even was going to have dad speak, preach, but um, then my dad got ill and that pastor ended up leaving the church and that never happened. And so in that section of the letter where he told me that he would think up sermons, he made the statement, he said, um, it's too late for me now. I think that was true, it was. I mean, with his health, unless the Lord healed him, um, there, wasn't, there, there wasn't a whole lot of life left for him. And um, that day that I stood by the windows and I was watching it rain, just the rain pour down. And... I'm thinking to myself, what am I going to do with my life? God brought that back to my mind, that letter that I'd received just a year earlier. Well, no, it was a couple years. He had died in 88. This was 92, but I'd received it a few years earlier. And I thought to myself, this thought just came to my mind. I, I pictured myself in old age writing a letter to my kids. And I thought, what am I going to write them? Am I going to write them a letter that says, I know this is what God had for me in life, but it was too hard. Now, that's not what my dad's letter was. His letter was he had rebelled against the Lord and, and turned away. But I would have had to say, I'm going to write, and I'm going to say, oh, it was too hard. I couldn't do it. I had to quit. I had to go this other route. And on and on. And, and I, as I stood there, I thought, I don't want to do that. And I, the thought just came to me. I want to write a letter to my kids at the end of my life and say, I gave it everything I had. I want to write a letter and say, I took every risk God put before me. I never drew back. I, I was afraid, yeah, but I always, I always said, I'm going to do this because it's what God wants. That's the kind of letter I wanted to write. And as I stood there, there was just like God revealed this to me, that, that I could trust him, that he was worth it, that it was worth it to take what he had put in me and steward it well for a lifetime. And you don't have to be called to be a pastor to have this applied to your life. I mean, you might be a business person, you might be a school teacher, you might work in the post office or wherever. God's called you to be his person right there. He's called you to be a certain type of spouse. He's called you to be a Jesus-loving parent and friend and neighbor. So he's called every one of us to something. But sometimes it gets hard. No matter, you don't have to be a pastor for it to get hard. It gets hard. 
And it's easier to back off. It's easier to say, oh, well, that, that, that might be for others, but not for me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live my life this way, the safe. I'm going to be safe. Boy, standing there that day, that was one of the things that I determined. I don't want to be, I don't want to live a safe life. I don't want to live a life that is just like cushy and safe. And I'm going to make all the choices that are going to keep me in the safest place. Because I wanted to write a letter to my kids someday that said, I went for it. Might, might not have succeeded. Don't know if I did or not. At that point, didn't know what the future held. But I want to be able to say, I didn't give up. I didn't quit. I went for it. And that moment was breakthrough for me. That was a moment that I, I began to understand better what God was calling me to. And understand better what it was for me to follow Jesus and with all of my life to follow him. Now, my dad had such an influence on my life. I look back to uh, that day that in, in that church service that I thought to myself, I'm going to be a pastor. That's what I'm going to do when I grow up. I'm going to preach like this guy is. And um, I was, didn't realize this until yesterday morning when I was going through this message that my dad was sitting beside me looking admiringly at the pastor. And I, my dad didn't admire a lot of people, Okay. I mean, he was a, he was a no-nonsense guy, kind of a little bit on the cynical side of things. But I remembered him sitting there just smiling and looking, and I could tell that he really respected this guy. And I realized what his attitude towards that pastor that day had an impact on me. And, and I mean, his, he's impacted my life in so many ways. Uh, one, of, one of the things that came to me there by that window that day, my dad had told me once that in World War II, he wanted to be a Marine. He wanted to join the Marines and, and go to the war. And he went down to the recruiter's office to join the Marine Corps. But what they did in those days during the war years of World War II, they would line all the recruits up and have them count off. And like every fourth one was a Marine. And the rest went into the Army. And he didn't get to be a Marine. And he was really disappointed by that because he said, listen, Van, he said, at that point in my life, if they had told me to run through a brick wall, I would have done it. He said, I wouldn't have questioned orders. I wouldn't have questioned anything. I would have done whatever they told me to do. Sounds like a Marine. Any Marines here? Okay. Um, but I thought I want to be that kind of guy, but for Jesus, I want to be willing to do whatever he tells me to do. If he says run through that brick wall, instead of arguing with him or saying that's impossible, I'm going to run full force into the brick wall and trust him that he's going to knock the wall down. And so all these things happened and, and this revelation came, or really it was kind of like a season of revelation because it was shortly after that that I began to understand the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It was shortly after that, that that I began to study about the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit. And it uh, just really changed the course of my life. And so, again, I want to I say this, that breakthrough in our spiritual lives, and let's just say this, breakthrough in life. Because if I know Jesus, everything's spiritual, Okay. It's not like, if I know Jesus, I have a spiritual life, and then I have the rest of my life. No, I have Jesus in me. The kingdom of God is in me, and everywhere I go, and everything I do, 
is, is Jesus' kingdom, kingdom in me busting out of me? You know, the kingdom of God in us wants to break out of us. And so everything we do in life is spiritual. So we're talking about breakthrough in life for a, for a believer in Christ, but whether it's time use or patience or parenting or finances or marriage relationship, whatever, whatever it might be, breaking into confidence and using the gifts God's put in me, whatever it might be, it's not won by fighting hard. It's not won by, well, I'm going to run through that wall and I'm going to break it down. It is won by recognizing that Jesus can break the wall down, and in fact, that he already has broken the wall down. So it's not what I do. It's not a battle that I fight to win. It is revelation of understanding that Jesus has already won the battle. Does that make sense? That's what it is. That's what it is, folks. It's, It's not just me memorizing a verse. I have a verse here for you, Romans 8, 37. Um, He says, now in all these things, and he's talking about struggles and hardships, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Okay, he says, in life, and in all the struggles of life, you and I might not recognize it, but we live in a position of victory. More than conquerors, it means like super conquerors, hyper conquerors. Uh, Uber conquerors. We are more than conquerors through Christ. That means that where we are now, we, we are in a position of victory through Jesus. And there's one thing for me to say that. I memorized that verse years and years and years ago. It's another thing for me to begin to really grasp that, where I can look at it and I can say, oh, okay. Ah, I get it. I see it, where you can taste the truth, not just hear it. And that that comes by revelation from God. And so it's revelation from God that gives us breakthrough. It's God showing me new things that changes my thought patterns, and it's my thought patterns that lead me this way or that way, because that's how I make my decisions. And when I have new revelation from God, then I begin to experience breakthrough. So breakthrough comes... Again, not through battling for a victory, but through seeing the victory that Jesus has already won. Not just hearing it, seeing it. That's what revelation is. It's seeing the truth and tasting the truth and experiencing the truth. And when God opens our eyes, we, call, I, we refer to that as God revealing it to us. So we call it revelation from God. Who God is. A revelation about God's goodness. A revelation about what he's done in me, in you. If you know Jesus. Lori and I were talking about this on the way in this morning. There's a verse in Genesis that says that God saw that all the thoughts of man were always evil all the time. He uses like three adjectives to describe the, the depth of depravity of fallen humanity. And without Jesus, that's what we all are. And then we, 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 was, we were talking, 1 Corinthians 6. He talks about all these lifestyles that are broken, lifestyles that are in rebellion against God and, and sad lifestyles that lead to destruction. And he says, such were some of you. 
He says, you were that, but now you've been washed, you've been cleansed, you've been justified, you've been made righteous, you've been made new. Now, it's one thing to hear those words. It's another thing to hear them, and, and, and the Holy Spirit reveals to us what they mean. And I begin to see, and, and I begin to become comfortable with that truth at a heart level. And I'm comfortable with that truth. And I don't feel like, oh, I have to make excuses because I mess up so much. So, yeah, that might be true for someone else. But, no, it's when we begin to see that and really experience it. And that, that's, that's uh, what the first, book, the first chapter of the book of Revelation talks about. We're going to read a couple passages here. Here the Apostle Paul's praying. And he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart, look at that, eyes of your heart. Your heart has eyes. Okay, your heart has eyes, and you can see with your heart. So the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. In other words, shine, that there's just a brightness there, in order that you might know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That means towards us who believe, for us, it's ours. There's that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Now look at that. He's praying that God would enlighten us. That, that means reveal to us truth. Open truth up to us so we can grasp it and see it and experience it. And that we might know. That word know is, is an interesting word because it means to realize something. And really the, the tense and the format of that means like entering a, a new state of understanding. It's like having an epiphany. You know what an epiphany is? A, a realization. A new understanding. And it's not just a momentary thing, but it you enter a new state of understanding so that from that point on, your life is directed by that new understanding that you have, that deeper understanding that you have. And he says here that he uses, actually, he uses five, five Greek terms for power. And he, he just takes every word in the Greek language that can be used for power, and he clumps them all into one verse. And, and so he says the power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted, another word for power, and uh, great. Uh, all of these words are words that, that describe the power. And he seated Jesus in the heavenly realms. Now that's all well and good, but look at chapter 2, verses 4 through 6, where it says, and, and here he has just talked about how we were all dead in trespasses and sins and we were all um, uh, children of darkness and, and in rebellion against God and turning away from God. But then he says this, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And then by grace, he says, you've been saved. And look at this. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So Jesus has become has been totally victorious over the enemy and he's been seated 
in heaven at the right hand of God above every other power that exists. And then he says, when you and I accept Jesus into our lives, we are put in him. He comes into us and we are placed in him. And he is in that position of absolute total authority at the right hand of God. And so for us to begin to recognize that that's not just a theoretical thing, it's not just a poetic way to describe the power God's put in us, but it is a reality that you and I are seated in a position of authority above every other power and authority in the universe because we are in Christ. And so when when we're under spiritual attack and we say... Uh, you know, be gone, Satan. That's not just me down here trying to scrape together a little bit of authority. I'm, I'm speaking that from the right hand of God with the authority of Christ. Does that make sense? Okay, now this presupposes that we're flowing with the Spirit and that I'm not just doing things on my own or trying to get my own way or trying to justify myself in some relational battle or something like that, but I'm flowing in the spirit and I'm walking with Jesus and I'm expressing his will for that situation. That's what he's called us to do. And so we are tied in directly to that place of authority. It wasn't long ago, and and often this happens to me in worship, I will sense that there's like um, spiritual resistance or something happening that is uh, just needs to be prayed about. And so often I'll just pray and say, okay, if you know, whatever designs the enemy has to subdue the, the enthusiasm or the, the spirit of joy in this place today, you know, I command it in Jesus' name to stop. And we, we break whatever orders have been given from one higher level to another. We break those orders and cancel those plans out with the higher authority of Jesus. And one day here, I was thinking of that and really feel like God was revealing some stuff happening in the spiritual realm. And suddenly I pictured myself not saying that from here, but saying that same thing from there. And I was able to just, in in this vision I had, it was just a sweep of a hand to sweep the enemy away. Now that's revelation, where you see something that you've known for years, maybe, but now you know it. Now you see it in a real and living way. And when we begin to understand, if you know Jesus, you are seated in Christ. You're in that position of authority at the right hand of God. And then it's just a matter of opening our hearts up to what God wants to do in our lives and through us and around us. And then cooperating with that. And as I'm doing that, I can exercise his authority. Because listen, here's a principle in life. Authority is always under authority. You don't get to exercise authority outside of submitting to authority. And so as, as we yield to Christ's authority in our lives, then we walk in his authority. Now, if I'm rejecting his authority in my life, then I, you know, I'm out here. And even though I have all of this, I'm not walking in it. But when I submit myself to him, then I exercise his authority in this life. And so breakthrough occurs when we really begin to understand that and, um, and, and we begin to, to walk in it. And see, this is something the enemy doesn't want us to see. He wants us to see all the problems. 
He wants us to stay focused and fixated on all the issues in our lives, like the the offenses. I've been offended by this person, and uh, I've heard a message on being living an unoffendable life. Man, if we can just be not offended, wouldn't you like to just never be offended again? Isn't that awful when you're offended? And like when I'm offended by something, and um, and when I offend my wife, I mean, oftentimes, let's be honest, this happens between husband and wife or close relationships. Someone says something that you wish they hadn't said or something happens or someone. Uh, when I'm offended, it's life is miserable. But to, to focus on that distracts us from Jesus. And so Satan wants us to focus on all of these needs that we have or all these different areas. And what we need to do is... is just brush those aside and say, I want to focus on Jesus and Holy Spirit reveal to me more what it means that I know him and that you're in me and that I am seated at the right hand of the father in Jesus and that he's given me authority to walk in this life, to walk as a conqueror, not as a victim. And so revelation is what brings us breakthrough. And, um, yeah, we're just going to pray right now. Next week, I think we'll probably continue this. I have a great passage from the Old Testament, a, a great story that we'll look through. But uh, right now, I just want to pray, and Amanda's going to come back up and uh, receive the offering and, and move us ahead with the rest of the service. But if you would, just kind of open your heart to the Lord right now. And if it helps, sometimes it helps just to hold our hands out like, uh, here I am, I'm, I'm, I want to receive from you. I want you to speak to me. Just uh, pray with me right now. I'm going to lead. You, you say these words, express them to God. Father God, I want to know you better. And Jesus, I, I want more understanding of who you are. Reveal to me more of who you are. As you do that, show me the work you've done in me. So that I can walk in all that you call me to. In Jesus' name, amen.